Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. My name is Eric Jensen and today joined by my good friend Mason from Buffalo. Mason, welcome back to the program. It is once again a Friday morning, which means if there is a good Thursday night game on, we get together and we discuss that Thursday night game. And yet last night, that, that very much defines as a good Thursday night football game. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, man. And uh, yeah, I think as far as uh, Thursday night games go, it definitely uh, was probably one of the better ones available as far as midseason form is concerned. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I actually, you know, that, that was probably my main takeaway from the game, though, actually, is I think for a league that predicates itself on the entertainment value of its games. And it was a close game. So, you know, there was some at the end, but man, the first bit of the game, absolute woof. How many punts were there? So many. Just, uh, And that's not something you used to seeing from Patrick Mahomes and from Justin Herbert. And these short weeks just seem to kill these offenses. Like, yes, they find a couple of drives here and there, but none of them look to be the same team that they are when they get that full week of prep time. And you hear players complain about it, too, because it shortens everything up that they have to do in practices. And so, I mean, I don't know what the solution is, because obviously Thursday night football makes them boatloads of money. It's not like they're going to get rid of any of that stuff. But, man, they got to find a way to let these offenses put a better product on the field. Yes, I you know I I think that's an interesting thing to point out. The Chiefs, c- considered one of the best offenses in the league, only put up three hundred and nineteen yards on the night last night. Uh, so you definitely saw that kind of lack of preparation, like you're talking about, shine through. Uh, but the Chargers, on the other hand. Then you, you look at them and you say, well, they still put up 400 yards on the night. Justin Herbert had a 300-yard day. It's an interesting take, though, and one that I, I appreciate quite a bit, that these short weeks, do they um, deteriorate the quality of the games that we see on Thursday nights? And I think... But you make a good argument that yes, in in fact, they they do that. So um, yeah, because I think like yeah. especially like that Justin Herbert pick at the end zone there, like you know that that was a lot of people's fault. I feel like, and you saw Everett just before that happened, after he caught that ball, just before it, trying to take himself out of the game, like he's cooked at that point. And I feel like if you have a whole week where you're not practicing every day and you get those normal rest days, he might be a little better on that play. And I feel like part of that interception was he stopped partially because he was tired and Justin Herbert sees that and thinks he's cutting in. So I need to throw it in. And then he hobbles back outward and, you know, that's the story. Ball's freaking gone. And I mean, you saw Pat Mahomes had, God, nearly 10 pick worthy plays and, and he got real lucky with some of those penalties that he picked up. But, you know, that was not the quality of offense that I, I, I'm used to seeing when I watch a KC game. Yes, I, I think that that bow also had to do with the Chargers' defense, which w- the Chargers' defense, I feel like, was really a story <laughs> of two separate halves of football. Because in that first half, they did look like they had figured out Patrick Mahomes. And and there were 
moments outside of this amazing throw that he makes rolling to his right and the off-balance kind of weird arm angle throw and the, the deep shot to Christian Watson are really the only big plays of the night through the air. And it did seem like the Chargers had a plan to keep it to play that kind of too high shell and keep the Chiefs passing game in front of them. And it it took Patrick Mahomes a little while to adjust, but eventually he did. But to me, that was something that really stood out was the fact that the Chargers defense throughout the game started really hot but ended up deteriorating and at the end of the night only ended up with one sack and five quarterback hits and not a ton of pressure on Mahomes. The Chiefs offensive line played remarkably well and really at the end of the game I think what what lost them that game was the long Clyde Edwards Elaire run and and the fact that the the Chiefs just the, the Chargers just didn't fill the right running lanes and Clyde Edwards Elaire takes it what like 50 or so yards down the field and then the clock runs out and even though the Chargers end up scoring they don't have enough time to get a second possession and the Chiefs end up winning the game so I I thought that the defense for the Chargers and its inconsistency from the first half to the second half was a a a major theme of this game yeah I definitely can agree with that I mean they looked on fire during that first half and it was just they didn't seem to come out the second half I mean maybe again Andy Reid is famous for his ability to to game plan change and to make those adjustments at halftime and and Pat Mahomes has such a quality for you know shifting his game and playing in appropriate ways it's just you know really good and I mean also what hurt the Chargers too I feel like it's keeping um you know Herbert in there for too long like that one run where he had to literally just chuck a ball away, he had wide open field. Almost every other quarterback in the league can jaunt that across that first down. Like, I know he makes that super gutsy throw right afterwards and then gets the touchdown, but, like, man, you could have put somebody else in there, and Austin Eckler was kind of on fire at that point. You ride him down to that end zone. Like, but I don't know. Yeah, but if you ride him down to that end zone, that becomes an issue as well because that bleeds out mean, way more clock. Yeah. And it, it was just really uh, – Brandon Staley, sneaky, did not have a great game time management-wise. And no. they, they just got put in a tough – Position, but I mean, yeah, Herbert, the fact that he's still in there after getting that hit and he's going through tests this morning, we don't know much about uh, what the potential injury is, but uh, wouldn't shock me if we learned he has bruised ribs or or whatever. Um, but it's crazy gutsy from Justin Herbert that he comes back into that game and makes that throw at the end. It's a crazy good throw. And the fact he does it after he barely gets the ball out of his hand, the play before is just nuts to me. Um, but 
that that's a big deal. And and it's a big deal that the the Chargers lost Corey Lindsley in the first half, and then they lost their right tackle. And throughout that second half, Justin Herbert just kept getting hit and getting hit and getting hit. And and the big difference for the Chargers over the past year and a half has been their offensive line has been nails and has been one of the best in the league at pass protection. And they've gotten it figured out with drafting guys like Rashawn Slater and Zion Johnson who have good games. But if they start to get injured, if they're missing Corey Lindsley for a long time, if their right tackle's out for a while, things could get really, really dicey because they play in a division with a bunch of great pass rushes, and it's really going to be important for them to keep Justin Herbert upright. It really is. And, I'm, you know, it's it's almost concerning if this ends up being something where he doesn't need to sit out because it's like, man, if this is a lingering injury all season long, it's going to become so problematic if that offensive line can't hold up. You saw it with at the end of the Chiefs game. It didn't even seem like they cared whether or not they got a sack anymore. They were literally just getting there to throw their body at Justin Herbert. It's all we need to do is just keep making contact with him, and eventually something's going to give. You know, and if that keeps happening all season long, like I, 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 it's horrible for his longevity. I mean, we saw it happen to Andrew Luck. He just took beating after beating, and eventually he decided it wasn't worth the treatment anymore. And it would suck to see it happen to another generational talent. So I really hope they get that figured out. I mean, they've done a good job with their offensive line so far, and the season's a microcosm, so it's really hard to say whether or not, you know, what's going to happen with injuries. So I assume long-term they will, but, man, for the season, it just looks so tough. Yeah, and I, I would say this has not been a trend. He was protected really, really well against the Raiders last week, and they have a pretty good pass rush that was getting there but never really hitting him because the, the, the offensive line was fully healthy. But if they're missing those two players on that offensive line for a, for a period of time, that could be an issue. The nice thing for the Chargers is this. They have a ridiculously easy schedule about the next six games. They play the Jaguars, the Texans, the Browns, the Broncos, the Seahawks, and the Falcons. And the most challenging game out of all those is the Broncos. And none of those teams outside of Miles Garrett on the Browns really have terrifying pass rushes. Whereas I think the one thing we learned about Kansas City over the past few weeks is that that pass rush is very, very real and that defense is very, very fast and very, very good up front. And they are going to be a team to watch out for down the stretch when you play them. Yeah, I'm excited to see more games from them when it's actually, you know, normal schedules and stuff like that. See if they can hold that up. It's going to be good. Yeah, but uh, like I said, Chargers doesn't necessarily hurt if you maybe sit Justin Herbert out a game against the Jaguars. And because you, uh, it's a, now you say that, but it's a very tough division and every game is going to matter at the end of the year. Yeah, but, you really can't take any unnecessary losses in that. Right. But, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening with with the Chargers in that regard. I don't have a ton more to say about this game specifically. I thought that the 
Chargers offense performed pretty well throughout the first half. Really, this was just a tale of two halves in the fact that the Chargers looked really great in the first half and were able to move the ball and have a really dynamic passing attack. And in the second half, that just kind of got taken away from them. So uh, I I really like what I see from the Chiefs. So far, I would agree with you that Patrick Mahomes didn't play the best game in the world, but he did enough to win. And it'll be interesting to see what happens next because on the flip side, the Chiefs have one of the tougher schedules in the league to start out with. They play the Colts next week, and then their next six games look like Colts, Buccaneers, Raiders, Bills, 49ers, and Titans, all teams that had uh, winning records last year. So very, very tough schedule ahead for the Chiefs. We will continue to figure out where they stand in the AFC hierarchy. I'd still put the Bills kind of in that number one spot, but we'll, uh, the Chiefs will have plenty of chances to knock them off and be considered the team to, to be in the AFC over the next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, I would say they're solid 1A, 1B. It, it's pretty hard to separate the two. The Bills do look more complete right now. You know, a bit of a homer on that one. But, man, the Chiefs, if their defense can keep that up and round into form a little bit, their corners need some work. But otherwise, you know, it, Pat's worst day is better than over half of the league's best. So <laughs> pretty hard to argue with it. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a little bit about week two. Let me pull up the schedule here. I thought we could go back and forth just really quick and talk about some games we were interested in seeing this week. Now, I will say this. The week two slate is – it's fine. It's intriguing because we still don't have a big sample size on everyone. But there are kind of some duds throughout here. Uh, I'll let you go first. What What's one game you're really excited to take a look at this week? I think the first game, and it's it might end up being a total dud, but I, I definitely want to see how it turns out is, is Colts-Jags. I want to see if the Colts can stop themselves from taking an absolute dirt nap and finally figure out how to win in Jacksonville because it, it just seems like they're completely incapable of it until this point in time in history. And it'd be nice to see if Lawrence can figure out a way to turn himself into a good quarterback, just because, I mean, he had so much pedigree coming in and you can't really blame him for the Urban Meyer era because Urban Meyer took the whole team with him on a plane and uh, just left them there. So, you know, that's pretty hard to deal with as, as a team overall, but at some point or another, if you want to be considered one of those top echelon quarterbacks, it doesn't really matter what's going on around you. You have to find a way to make some plays and to win a game or two here. You cannot just keep being these close calls or, oh, he made a good play or two. It's, it's got to be more consistent than that. Yeah, I, I would define the Colts' week one performance after watching that game on, uh, via highlights and, and things as sloppy, very sloppy. Uh, just a team that did not look prepared or ready but this is kind of a like a a theme of the Frank Reich era for as good as people believe Frank Reich is his teams almost always start slow I think the Colts record in September over the past three years is just awful Uh, I mean they they 
are not the best team until they get to October and November and they kind of start to round into form. And sometimes they start 0-1 or last year they started, remember, 1-4, and I believe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. The the Colts are the Colts are just a very very slow team to get going, but they and it looks like the AFC South is down this year, so that might be fine. But it'd be important for them to get a win here in in a divisional game where I think a lot of what's going to decide the division this year for the AFC South will just be how good you play within the division. Absolutely, I mean that is clearly a division that someone could sneak into the playoffs at eight, eight and one, like it's going to be brutal. Yes. So I, I, I think you're right. Trevor Lawrence still haven't gotten a chance to watch that yet. Um, but he missed some throws is what I heard. He, uh, but also he, he's got to make the throws. layups a little better. He, he keeps missing those and it's just not a good look for him. Yeah, got to make the layups. That's kind of a defining trait of NFL quarterbacks is they hit open guys. Um, and uh, it seems he he kind of struggles with that a little bit early. Still, I don't count most of last year, and this is uh, what I would consider technically his second real game in a make-or-break season. It's been one week. Let's give him three or four before we make any sweeping judgments on Trevor Lawrence. So that that one's a good one to look at. I will take one that's a little bit more obvious, Dolphins-Ravens. This one to me is fascinating simply because everyone's in love with the Dolphins. I don't know if you've noticed this, Mason, but literally everyone is in love with the Dolphins. And I just don't understand it. Like, sure, Tua had a good completion percentage. And you can say, oh, he threw 33 times. He threw five passes that went over 20 air yards, and three of them were incomplete. Like, last year, he was an assassin in the mid-range game as well. Like, you you think of, like, an NBA comparison. This guy's like Mike Conley. Like, he's he's really great at hitting mid-range jumpers and floaters in the lane, but when you ask him to start taking three point shots, well, think things get a little bit hairy or, or who's the guy that used to play on the warriors who I'm forgetting, who was just the mid range master, uh, Sean Livingston. I want to say, uh, you're on a call with the wrong guy for that. (laughs) Right. Bad, Bad time to pick basketball analogies, but Tua to me is like a basketball player who's great at the mid-range, but kind of struggles with everything else. And uh, Ravens-Dolphins, I I think it's a a great opportunity for Lamar Jackson. It's a a better defense, but last week Lamar Jackson looked great in the passing game. He didn't really do anything with his legs. He lit him up with his arm. And I think that's going to be a theme this year is I think Lamar has convinced his offensive coordinators in in Baltimore that, you know, this is a contract year for me. Like, I need to show people that I can do this with my arm and and not my legs. And, you know, real football fans, people who watch for Ravens a lot, 
know that Lamar Jackson can throw, but there are still some casuals out there that, that, you know, think, oh, Lamar Jackson's only a running quarterback. Well, I, I think this year he's really going to set into trying to prove he can throw. The Dolphins secondary played really, really well in week one, but they were playing a hapless New England Patriot team. I'm interested to see how this game ends up turning out for the Ravens. I think it being at home is a huge plus for them. I I don't see the Dolphins being very competitive in this game, though. I, I, I'm just not sold on them yet. I'm genuinely not either, and I think the biggest issue comes from the fact that, that the Patriots just aren't really that good of a team, and I don't think they gave them a very fair test, but they still showed you kind of what you need to do to make sure that Tua doesn't operate appropriately. And so all you need to do is just put some pressure on him, and eventually he's going to start airmailing balls or dirting them because it just seems like as soon as that jitter gets into him, he just wants to get the ball away from him. And I don't know if it's just some lingering fear from the injury or it's just something he's going to carry around with him and he needs to work on. But um, his accuracy seems to drop pretty precipitously. I can't remember the stat I saw, but it was something like a 24% completion rating when he was under pressure. I think it was. And it's so abysmal is, is really, I think, an appropriate word for that. And the Ravens are a much, much better team. And so I think defensively they're going to be able to do pretty much you know, what the Patriots did, but actually come down with some of those interceptions and, and uh, you know, break up some of those passes a little bit better. And then, like you said, with Lamar Jackson, I, he's, I think, a much more well-rounded quarterback than maybe he's given credit for. And it, it, I think it's mostly just because he doesn't tend to show it very often. Like, he does want to run more often than he wants to throw, at least in previous history from what he's done but, you know, I think as long as his teams can finally stay healthy for a year and give him the weapons he needs to so that he doesn't feel like he needs to do it all, he can spread the ball out and let his playmakers make more of the plays for him instead of him. Yeah, I I, th- I think that's that's a solid – I think that's a solid point to make in, in this in – this, well, while talking about this game. Sorry, I have to – close out this app that just started making so much so much noise in the background for me and my headphones my sec uh what what's a game what's the second game that you're you're excited about seeing this week you can take for bills if you want here you can take another team uh just what what's one thing you're looking forward to this week I mean, I'm innately excited to see the Bills, A, being a fan, and B, it's going to be their first home game of yeah, the year. Yeah, let's so just that, take the that Bills. Stadium's going to be lit. Well, you're... just real quick, before I head to the Bills, I, I can't wait to see Green Bay play. Okay. I want to see if, if Rodgers can pull that team together and, and put something back. Just because, like, I am excited to see the Bills, but I think I know the product they're going to put on the field this week. So, like... Uh, while I'm excited to see them and I'm really looking forward to it, like I don't think I have a lot of questions about what I'm going to see. Where like Green Bay, I, I, I would like to see if he can get some of those receivers. I mean, he's hitting dudes in the hands and they're just putting the ball on the ground. Like it's not for lack of ability that Rodgers is putting out there. And I would like not to see him revert back to the Rodgers we saw where he's not confident in receivers and he's holding the ball way too long and he's taking sacks and those negative plays start coming up. 
uh, just because he was so good the past two years, and it would be nice for him to show that Devontae wasn't the dude who was really making that engine go and that Rodgers is the guy. And then the Bears, I would like to see them play in a game that's not a torrential downpour and a flood as a team who plays in acclimate weather very frequently. It's tough when you have to watch that and go, well, there's not really much to take away. Like, yes, this is going to happen on occasion, but not every week. This is not the normal for a team to play in. So the bears over the past few years, especially in prime time last year sticks out, always played the Packers close. Uh, If I'm gambling, I'm staying away from this game. Just entirely taking the Bears plus 10 is a mistake because that's a lock that the Packers are going to cover that. But if you take the Packers, the Bears are going to play them extremely tight and things are not going to end up well for you. So if you're if you're a gambling person, I would heavily I know a lot of people usually say, oh, I'll be watching the Sunday night football game. Might as well bet on this one. Stay away from this one because this is just. This is going to go poorly one way or the other. So uh, either this will be super close or the Packers will blow them out. And it's very much a 50-50 shot of either one of those things. I, I don't feel confident either way. I don't feel like the the Packers are at the point where you can absolutely say they'll blow a team out. And I don't think the Bears are at the point where you'll say they'll keep every team close. It's just been both these teams, I feel like, not good enough sample sizes from week one. So stay away. No, and so this is this is going to be a nice learning experience, I think, for both of them. We're going to see a lot. Yeah. Bills, Titans, uh, I know that you said there's not a ton here. Let me just out. You're going to this game, right? You're a season ticket holder? Yep, I right. am, yeah, so I will be there. Very nice. You excited for that? Going to go hop through some tables? <laughs> no, I'm a little old for that game at this point. I would definitely hurt myself in a pretty severe way. But no, we definitely make our way through the parking lots. It's it's always a very fun time because it's it's I don't know how much you know about our stadium, but it's kind of in a suburban community. So it's not okay. like anywhere near downtown or anything like that. So we do have stadium lots and there is stuff that happens there, although that has been abated pretty severely through some of the policies and stuff like that. And tailgating is now like a, a paid thing if you're doing it in the lots and you can only do it in like the RV lots. But we have tons of other people who open up their yards and their driveways and stuff and, and some other businesses who open up their parking lots. And so for probably four or five blocks in either direction. It's just solid cars on lawns and uh, nobody is leaving their charcoal grills on fire underneath their cars. That does not happen in Buffalo. I can assure you of that. Uh, We may be drunken idiots, but no one is lighting 10 cars on fire in their own parking lot. Uh, (laughs) And it's just, it's very noisy and very loud. And uh, it's, it's a really good time. And for it being a Monday night, it's going to be absolutely on fire down there. Could be very crazy. Yes, indeed. I I would very much like to go see a game in Buffalo. That 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 feels like like a thing that that I I I've got to do. Um, well, if you're ever in the area, me and my friend have like a block of season tickets. And so. Oh, all right. I I will I will, I will keep that in mind. Uh, but uh, I, I'm a young man, so hopefully at some point in my lifetime, I'll, I'll get I'll get up to your neck of the woods and 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 go see a Bills game because I, I think that'd be just a ton of fun. It it just looks like 
one of the best kind of game day atmospheres in the NFL got that college type feel to it. And it, does, uh, and it looks like we're going to have some nice, like high sixties weather fresh oh, after a rain. It is going to be nice. some classic football weather. Like we're right. going to be really out there. Can't wait. Yeah. I, I, I have a, a pressure packed night at, uh, at work that night. So I, I don't know how much of the first quarter of the game I'm going to be able to see, but my Monday night, viewing plan is to probably try and catch the fourth quarter of bills titans and then move and watch the second half of vikings eagles which should be pretty exciting as well uh two, one two great o, teams two two one and no teams now i i don't know if i want to call the vikings great yet i'll, I'll just say that it, it is kirk cousins if kirk cousins performs in this game i will concede that the vikings might be great because the reason out. why I'm willing to back them is because this is the Kyle Shanahan system right here. This is a system that was built for Kirk Cousins. Like he's the dude who Kyle Shanahan dreams about at night. Right. And so, so I, I just I have a good feeling for them. This is a year they're going to do some some nice damage at least. They might not make it too deep in the playoffs, but their regular season is going to be something to watch. Yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see how this goes. I think the Eagles offense is one of the most creative and hardest to stop in the NFL. I am super excited to see them. These are just two teams I'm going to be watching a lot this year, I feel like. Uh, I wasn't super hyped about the NFC going into the year, but very early on, I've fallen in love with three teams in the NFC, and that would be the Vikings, the Eagles, and finally, the last game I'll talk about, and then we can head out. I know this is just a weird game to be excited for, but give me Lions Commanders. Give me all of Lions Commanders. I am so in on the Lions. I just, they're they're competitive. They've got fun players. Now, DeAndre Swift is already dealing with an injury, which what else is new? But it sounds like him missing practice this week has mostly been precautionary. They've got DeAndre Swift. Amon Ross St. Brown looks very good. DJ Chark looks like one of the best pickups of the offseason. He had a great game in week one. TJ Hawkinson was all over the place. They have a great offensive line. The defense was getting a ton of pressure on Jalen Hurts last week. This is going to be a fun game to watch. And then on the other hand, you have Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz isn't good, but Carson Wentz is always entertaining, whether it be bad whether it be good, you would never watch a Carson Wentz game and come away saying, I was not entertained by that. So I think that this is a really interesting game. It's the Lions at home. They're an 0-1 team who's favored, which is a little bit crazy to me. That hardly ever happens. That seems like a sign to maybe take the commanders here. But What a game this will be. I picked up Jahan Dotson on my waiver wires in fantasy. I'm excited. He's on my bench this week now. Granted, I'm excited to see him, watch him a little bit more closely. I did not watch the Commanders game in week one. This will be something I'm keeping an eye on on Red Zone on Sunday. Uh, Big fan of this game. It's a weird kind of out of the radar game. And and Mason, historically, that's kind of what I like. It's just weird games that nobody else cares about but that i'm heavily intrigued by and this fits the bill i i am really excited to watch this one 
I think if you're unconcerned about spectacular, immaculate football, this is a game with probably a lot of entertainment value just, like, baked into it. Like, I love Dan Campbell. I think he might be one of the most entertaining coaches available outside of maybe Mike McDaniel, which hurts my soul to say a little bit. But, like, I've seen too many interviews with that guy where I'm like, I love him. Like, I think I would want to be his friend despite the fact that you coach the Dolphins. But – and Carson Wentz, you're not wrong. He does absolutely everything 100%. There is not one thing that that man doesn't do 100%. Throw a ball – run a ball, pretend like he's going to listen to you and throw a ball anyway, sprint both his freaking ankles on the same play. Like that dude does absolutely everything 100%. And I cannot wait to see what the next thing he decides to do is. So, I, you know, I'll give it to you. It, again, might not be the best football game that's ever been played, but entertainment value, it's going to be there. Absolutely. I, th- I think that that, you couldn't have made better points there, Mason. Um, finally, before we go, I, I've just got to touch on Broncos Texans as a Broncos fan. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm very sad about the Broncos. Uh, I'm pretty much out on the season. I don't know if you've listened to the podcast. I, much yeah, this week, I, I but, you gave up quick, man. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm pretty much out on the season. Um, now, now I am a fan and irrational when it comes to the Broncos. So if they win this game, there's like a 50% chance. I say, oh my God, they're going to the Super Bowl. But I, Yeah, I can't wait till they win by 20 points and I, you're I, in your mind. Just like, this is the best team that's ever been a sample. Uh, I, I really, I really, I really kind of doubt that they'll do that. I think the Texans cover in this game. Uh Davis Mills isn't as bad as everyone thinks he is. I, he got put in a lot of bad places. Yeah, and he he bad, bad week for Davis Mills Troopers last week. He did not play well against the Colts, missed a lot of throws. Um, yeah. But still, the Texans, this, this bodes well for the Broncos. Texans have no pass rush. Texans secondary. Derek Stingley looks really, really good. I'll give Derek Stingley that. Derek Stingley looks awesome. But there are too many offensive weapons. I'm interested to see if there's more verticality to the passing attack this year for the Broncos. They were happy to take all the underneath stuff that they got from the the Seahawks. Russell Wilson is going to be throwing to his backs a lot. I am jealous of you if you have Javante Williams in fantasy because he's going to get, like, I believe, probably eight to ten targets a game. Um It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I'm really interested to see the Broncos defense. Texans line held up pretty well against the Colts pass rush. Broncos pass rushing defense really didn't show up until the second half of the game. I still think that there are major issues. Justin Simmons just got put on IR. That's going to be a real problem for the secondary. Patrick Sertan is good, but he's had help a lot of his career. So far, obviously, it hasn't been a long career yet. But we're going to see a lot from the secondary. It's going to be Caden Stearns probably starting. And I like Caden Stearns as a box safety. But I I don't know if he can compare in coverage the way Justin Simmons did. Uh, I think there's a chance that this is a very high-scoring game for both teams and and very close. Uh, But it'll be intriguing to see what happens. But I just want the Broncos' offense to be watchable this week. Let's just set small, attainable goals, Mason. 
Uh, I just want the Broncos offense to be watchable. Last week, they were not watchable. They fumbled in the red zone God. twice and uh, just threw a bunch of screen passes. I would like that not to be the case this week. Just don't lose at home to the Texans. Like, yeah, like that, that, that would be a real issue. And I mean, if they lose at home to the Texans, I, I think that there's a chance it's time to start talking about like, and I know it might sound crazy, but there's a chance you have to start saying, all right, well, if we start the season like one and four, it might be time to fire Nathaniel Hackett because you just cannot open your home opener with your brand new quarterback that you traded five high quality draft picks for and lose to the Texans at home. That's just unacceptable. This is a must win for the Broncos. So please God let them win. <laughs> I mean, I, I have, you know, noted very little faith in Nathaniel Hackett as a coach, just from past experiences with him. Um, but, you know, I will say it's probably fair to give Russ a little while to to get in there um, and, and learn some stuff. Although I actually, I heard some really interesting stuff um, just before I was getting on the pod, I was listening to um, Tom Grassi's podcast and he has uh, a quarterback who comes on there every week or every couple of days or so. Who is who has said uh, he had recently tried out with the Bears and was talking to some other people who were there working out who were recently with Denver specifically and it sounds like the offensive playbook is like some amalgamation of Russell Wilson's concepts Nathaniel Hackett's concepts and their OC's concepts and so it's apparently massive and absolutely wild to look at. Uh, what was the reports that I had heard from them that they were discussing. And so it was really interesting to hear some of that. And, and I mean, I don't know how well that works long-term. Maybe the idea is we find stuff from everyone and pair it down to what we like that works. But I mean, it, it feels like that's, you know, a too many cooks in the kitchen sort of a deal right there. And I mean, you, you're right. This is a must-win game. You're being served the sacrificial lamb of the Houston Texans. I mean, they're 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 out there literally for everyone to take the task this year. So you got to go get it. Yep. And for the Broncos, just because we've been looking at AFC West schedules, let me just run you down their schedules for the next six. Does not get easy after Houston. They play the Niners on Sunday Night Football. Then the Raiders, the Colts, the Chargers, all in a row. Uh, and that Chargers game ends up being on Monday Night Football. They are – and, uh, oh, look, at the, the Colts game is Thursday Night Football. So they play in primetime a lot, and they play uh, in big games against good teams that are going to be in contention for the AFC playoffs a lot this year. And they, they really have to come out of that stretch at – if they want to win the division, three and one, and if they want to stay competitive for the playoffs, two and two. Um, so it's it's gonna be, whoo, man, it, it's gonna be gonna be kind of kind of a rough one, kind of, kind of a rough one. So we we will see what ends up happening, and then they end up going, uh, and then they play the Jets, and then they play the Jaguars in London, and then they have their bye week. So it, that's kind of what the start of the season looks like for the Broncos. Mason, once again, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks looking for having ahead, me, man. Looking ahead to next week, 
Uh, it's Steelers Browns, and unless I want, obviously we're degenerates, you and me. Like we <laughs> like football. What I'm gonna watch that game. I assume you're probably gonna watch that game too. Oh, I, yeah. Out of at least morbid curiosity about that, yeah, like, he's gonna add. I gotta know. I won't promise a Friday podcast next week, but if that game gets absolutely crazy. I mean, which, both of their best units are their defense, so you which, would think like that's going to be just <laughs> which, which maybe it could. We'll get together next Friday, but if not, hopefully we'll have two episodes next week in in the midweek. I'm training new people at work, so hopefully a little bit less for me in the night times. I'm going to be working during the day on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday next week, so hopefully I'll have those <laughs> nights off. And Mason, if you're around one of those nights, we'll, I'll shoot you a text for sure. But I would love to have you come on for a recap, and maybe we could get an in-person report of the Bills uh, from from Week One. So uh, from from their first absolutely, home. yeah. Let me know, and I'll uh, I'll see if we can make that work. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks guys for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at EndZonePod. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Jensen Sport. Mason, do you have anything you want to plug? Oh, well, I figured this week I would plug something that I, I don't know if a lot of people know about it since it's a, a British television show, but it's called Taskmaster. And they're okay. just about to start releasing season 14 of it. So there's a lot to catch up on. But it's a, an absolutely wild panel show filled with comedians doing tasks and then having to justify themselves later as to why they did what they did. And it is an absolute travesty most of the time. That is just so hilarious. The U.S. tried to do a version. It was absolutely terrible. But the U.K. version and the New Zealand versions are both absolutely top-notch and well worth the watches. In absolutely any order you want to, if you don't care about scoring, because, again, most of it's just for bragging rights and dumb little points or whatever. Where can people find it? So you will be able to find some of it on YouTube. um, And uh, I tell you what, I will tweet out – uh, the streaming platform because there's a new one that Taskmaster has affiliated themselves with and so uh, most of their stuff can be found on there very easily. Taskmaster New Zealand though, all YouTube. Very easy to find. Got it. Well, I, I, I will definitely take a look at that Hope maybe when football season wraps up but that that sounds like a pretty funny show so I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, take, I'll take that into consideration. Great recommendation. You- Thank you Mason. I appreciate it. All right, folks, we will see you in week three. Peace out.